Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so we are back. Uh, season two right here coming from Mr. Uh, uh, me and uh, Nick Wilson. My name is Brandon Farmer. <laughs> hey, Brandon. Where have you been, man? What you been up to? On this uh, soon-to-be episode of Talk or Go Home. Took a little break. A little break between seasons. Right, between yeah. seasons. Muchly needed, I would say, because we've been yeah, so... We, 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 kinda, we, need, we needed the break. There was a lot that started to happen in both of our lives. Exactly, exactly. So now that we've taken this break and now we've, we've chosen to come back in during a time... Probably in um, U.S. history, yeah, that would is... be ground. I mean, you've had other times in history where we've gone through this somewhere down the road. I would say, what what would you say? The latest one or the twenty? Or, there was the one in twenty sixteen. Was that the hundred uh, years ago? Basically, e- Ebola. Yeah. We had in twenty sixteen. We had uh, the we've had the SARS in 03, You had the H one N one. You had the swine flu. You had the Spanish flu all the way back, like you said, a hundred years ago, from nineteen eighteen to nineteen twenty, that killed fifty million people across the globe. You know, right. so th- this, in terms of this being an unprecedented event, it is not that. But in terms of its effects on modern society, yes. We there's nothing that has occurred in our lifetime that has forced society to change quite so much as this. Maybe you could say no, um, and that's what I was talking about a while ago. Um, it it's affected different generations of different type diseases. Uh, smallpox was a big uh, thing. Yeah, um, I would say what mid. Mid forties or something like that back in oh yeah during the, that time the, well or back in the mid twentieth century back you know and yeah. you look at polio too polio is the same way well we mid didn't have vaccines we didn't have anything yeah. to to accommodate that to uh, do anything with so that being said now what we're going through and um this coronavirus COVID COVID nineteen yeah I guess you would say. Good stuff. Which means I, I didn't know what it meant until the other day, until we were talking about it, that this is the 19th top virus. There's 18 others similar to it. It's the 19th iteration of the right. of the novel coronavirus, yeah. Right. So this is where we are right now. We've kind of had a pandemic on 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 all that stuff. and um, Yeah, the, the World Health Organization, who has, de- has declared it a – pandemic uh it's a respiratory virus disease uh we neither one of us are health experts neither one of no way (laughs) no way we're Um, not in the health field either one of us right and and just as a refresher you know i'm in education brandon is a small business owner uh so i am you know we both have unique perspectives we both come from different areas of society 
particularly when you when you look at private versus public i'm my life and my lifestyle is supported by the government because i am a government employee and brandon's is he supports himself and his family with his private business so that was one of the things that we really liked about our relationship coming into this podcast in in season one and something that we're going to try to lean on a little more i think in season two is we both have very different perspectives on a lot of things this being the same thing but i'm gonna let brandon kind of tell you guys what we're going to talk about in relation to COVID 19 for this episode because it's not your typical conversation i think when people talk about COVID 19 you know where are we now you know basically uh where where are we going with this uh what's the future hold for us moving forward after we get you know get past this and everything so kind of looking in that way and uh we're gonna get into hey you know How's it affecting our lives? Period. You know, we're having to quarantine and being at home a lot. Um, a lot of us at you know home right now, and is it a good or bad thing? Um, but we'll get into all that. I'm just um, right now. Me, w- way it affects me, it's not affecting me a whole lot. I'm still getting out. I'm getting to go to work. Um, basically, I'm just going from yard to yard. Uh, I am in the grass cutting business, and that's that's what I do and been doing for the past 13 years. And I don't have a lot of contact with a lot of people. You know, it's mainly my customers who are basically, I would I would say probably 70% of them are older. They're not, you know, not a lot of young people in there that I cut for. And so there are a lot, a lot of them at home anyway. They're quarantining and um I would say right now, percentage-wise of this virus, that's who it's affecting the most is the elderly. And so you have a lot of them staying at home. And um, so, yeah, I don't I don't come in contact with a whole lot of people. And if I do, you know, kind of they're kind of, you know, making it keep your, keep your distance, keep kind of a six-feet type rule to it. Um, but then again, I run in a lot of people who are not really, they're not really worried about it. You know, they're just kind of, they have to live life. They have to kind of carry on with themselves. Um, so right now, for me, business-wise, uh, unlike Nick, you know, Nick is uh, working underneath the government in uh, in the school system and kind of taking um, – My life well, has just, changed dramatically. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, and they've just, you know, just the other day um, have canceled school for the rest of the year. For the rest of the year. Yeah, and it, which is never – as far as I remember, ever, ever being done, um, not not in the history of twentieth or twenty first century America. I really don't think that it's been done on this scale. You know exactly. So initially on March thirteenth, Friday, March thirteenth, we I'll basically go through what happened at my school in our local school system. Yeah. March 13th, we get, we get an email halfway through the day from our principal, and I wasn't at school that, that whole day. That morning, I had an obligation at another high school for uh, a program that I'm a part of, a teaching program that I'm a part of in our local school system. So I was I was away and with some a different group of educators that I'm not normally with, and we were sitting at this table taking a break from what we were doing and talking about what was going to happen and every single body there and there were two nurses there with us and both of those nurses said this is probably going to result in a long-term 
absence of school. And I can remember somebody at the table going, okay, what does long-term mean? And both of them looked at one another, and they turned back and looked at us and said, you know, we're thinking a month. Well, I get an email on my way back to the high school that I work at on Friday. It's from my principal. Hey, guys, we're having a faculty meeting this afternoon, 3 o'clock sharp. Everybody needs to be there with the exception of those teachers that drive buses. Right. And this was an all-call. You know, usually in a faculty meeting, it's just teachers. But in this one, it was everybody. All support staff, you know, everybody except the lunch ladies. And lunch ladies, your supervisor will debrief you at the end of the day as well. Well, we get there, and first off, we never have faculty meetings in the afternoon. Right, yeah. Ever. They're always in the morning. So that was kind of unprecedented in itself. And then we get in there, and they're set up for a teleconference where the superintendent can basically de- or brief us on what's going on. And he comes on. We watch his video. I can't tell you everything that he said, but basically it was we're not going to be in school next week. School has been canceled, and everything's going to go online. It just so happens that they canceled the next two weeks, but our situation is unique in that the first week we were technically in school. We were serving students both online and uh, at our lunchroom. The next week it was spring break, so schools were shut down completely. But then the next week we were out as well, and we kind of have to do the online learning thing again. Well, halfway through spring break, or at the end of our spring break week, the governor of Alabama, which is where we both live and where we're from, comes on and says all public schools are canceled. Yeah. On campus, learning is canceled for the rest of the year. And that was a decision made by our state superintendent, the governor, and the public health officer in the state of Alabama. Because the state of Alabama, as of right now, as of the recording of this episode and the announcement that the governor and state superintendent and state health officer made, the coronavirus has yet to make a significant impact. It has made an impact, but I wouldn't argue it's significant yet. So school, and and you really hate it for your students that's as well as your teachers. Gonna, that's what I was going to say. School is, that, is, is no longer on campus. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we've gotten some more emails about, you know, how are we going to handle kids going into the next grade, taking grades? Can we take grades on the stuff that we're assigning? What do seniors do? What about senior athletes and, and all that stuff? And none of it's set in stone yet, so it's all just a huge whirlwind. I mean, my world kind of has been turned upside down because we are still, teachers are still allowed on campus, but students are not. Right. And I have students that are emailing me te- and texting me, those that are closer to me and to my family that I've known for a while, they're texting me going, hey, can I come on campus and work out? Can I come on campus and run? No, no. Can I come on campus and get my books? Yes, but hurry. You know, can I come on campus? No, you can't come on campus. Right. The only reason you should come on campus is if you're coming to pick up work because you don't have internet access at home. Yeah. And uh, it's just been really crazy as public education and private education has had to work through this. You know, you have a lot of universities that are canceling graduation. And, well, and it's crazy. Let's stop at that point right there and let's talk about that a little bit because I wanted to ask you about it um, you know I think a lot of people have opinions on whether sh- school should have been cancelled or not you know I think we're like me and you were talking earlier we've, we've taken all the precautionary measures me myself personally 
I would like for a governor to say, look, and I understand canceling, you know, I, I kind of get it, and then I kind of go, let's let's give it another month. Yeah. We'll start the online stuff. Let's let's work on, let's cancel school for another month. And then see where we're evaluating and see where we are from there. Because like you said, you you feel bad for the students, especially the seniors who don't get to finish out um, their year here at each and every particular school here in Alabama. Not only that, you know, the sports are a big-time thing, uh, especially for baseball, softball, track, and yeah. so forth, um, and soccer. You would like to have seen the seniors kind of finish out their thing. And um, that's why, I mean, you were kind of talking about it earlier. Yeah. We've, at some point, this thing cannot drag on. We've got to get out and live life. And – that's why I would I would have liked to have seen, hey, let's let's wait a month. Let's take this one month at a time type thing. Maybe on the schooling part is what I'm talking about. Let's take it one month at a time and see where it is and evaluate it. Let's not I think we're kind of rushing a little bit too far. We're still in March. We haven't made it out of March yet. Yeah. You know, we have we're we're just coming up on April barely. So Let's 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 step back a little bit, you know, and not get so crazy about it, you know. Well, and the the big thing I think the reason that they have made all of these decisions, you know, they've canceled. First off, let's talk about everything that they've canceled. They canceled March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournament. They canceled. It started with the NBA season. Yeah, I mean, the NBA, NBA kind of that's kind of where it started. And it concerts were canceled. Yes, yeah, races were canceled. All these big sports, all the big events were, where there's a lot of people gone. at one time. Gone. Yes. And then it, it has trickled down into the schools across the nation. Now schools are canceled. School sports season's canceled. Why? But why? Why is everything being canceled? And you look at all of these public health officials and these health experts, and most of them are pointing to, well, we would rather be cautious and ahead of, significantly ahead of the curb which is great. Than, than behind it. Which you know, is great. Because you, you see this, it's almost become a meme now, flatten the curve, flatten yeah. the curve, talking about that that spike in cases. Because you don't want, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate to your argument here a little bit, Brandon, but you don't want a significant increase in cases so much so that our health system cannot handle all of it. So of if you quarantine everybody and if you shut society down, you can decrease the amount of or the amount of spread and the impact of that spread and therefore the cases that occur at any given time so it it allows your health system your healthcare system and your health healthcare industry to handle the load a little bit better because it's spread out and it's not all coming in at one time yeah no doubt no doubt i think that's why they're doing it again to play devil's advocate to your argument but is that maybe is it necessary yes at, at this point in time that's why i was saying hey evaluate yeah. evaluate what data you're is coming in on this stuff and then you know and then you're making it will possibly happen anyway who knows yeah. i'm just saying don't just completely well i think rush it too fast you know and, and take everything away well, I think if you look at a society that is prepared for an eventuality like this, a true pandemic, which I would argue that this is 
the closest thing we've seen to a true pandemic in a long time. A true pandemic in the cinematic sense of, of that phrase, in that, you know, it's spread all across the world, it's impacting society, it's nearly apocalyptic, blah, 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 right? The stuff you see in movies. Yeah. This is the closest thing we've seen to that in our lifetime, and I really don't think, not just America, but the entire I don't think the world was prepared for it. If you have a world with various health systems that are prepared for this eventuality, you don't see this reaction that you've seen now. You don't see a knee-jerk, shut-everything-down is it necessary? I'm going to argue that it is. But but if we're if we were more prepared, would it be necessary? No. I I think this is a byproduct of the fact that the state of Alabama, the United States of America, the globe, China, where this disease originated, this virus originated, nobody was prepared. Nobody. Our yeah. healthcare systems weren't prepared. Testing laboratories weren't prepared. It just hit us like a like a and you know if you look at what Bill Gates, who is a very very intelligent man, not only in the technology industry but in but in a lot of areas, especially health, he said for years that this is the most dangerous threat to the world, to global society, and to humanity is the threat of a pandemic. That he he says there's two there are two things when it comes to viruses or disease. That are that are very very dangerous," he says. "The disease or the virus that spreads very very quickly, and the disease or virus that is very very deadly to humans." And he says, "When the when the next virus or disease comes along that combines both of those attributes, that can spread very very quickly and is very very deadly, that is going to be the worst thing that humanity has experienced in a long long time." And I. I I think he's right. Do I think that that's what the coronavirus is? No, as we've seen, you know, it's only affecting those that are very old and very young. Right, yeah. Uh, significantly. Now, there have been deaths of those. There have been, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from the deaths of those, those people that are middle-aged or my age or whatever, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, whatever. But large and in part, the statistics have shown that this has impacted the elderly and the very, very young on a more significant basis than any other age group out there. And that's because their immune systems are a little weaker than everybody right. else's. Yeah. So I wouldn't argue that this is the thing that Bill Gates has been arguing for years that would threaten humanity, but I think that this is, we're having to treat it like that because we were not prepared for it. Well, let's take the good and bad out of it then. So the bad part is people are going to die because of it. It's awful. Right. So, but what's the good part of it? Since we're going through this, and like you said, probably not as prepared um, as we should be. So this is a this and, is kind of a learning curve. Yeah, and, you and know, I, this I, is. Going I, I don't want to take. I'm sorry. I just don't want to take anything away from those health officials that are putting their lives on the line, and these nurses and oh, doctors that sure are working not. day in and day yeah. out. Especially those nurses and doctors in Wuhan that built hospitals in a matter of days and worked their butts off to try to find, you know, to try to help solve the problem, although they didn't. They didn't necessarily help the rest of the world. I, I don't want to try to take away from what all of our nurses and our doctors and our, our health officials and our the people that are trying to keep society going, I don't want to take anything away from them by saying that they weren't prepared. I'm saying that as a healthcare system, as a global health system, we were not prepared. You know, we were more focused on other things. We need, 
Right. We didn't necessarily have a complete plan yes. all the way around. Yes. Uh, like we should have, and I would assume in the future we will have. After this, absolutely. Most definitely. So I think there's that's the good part that comes out of it. Um, we can react a lot quicker the next time. And it's a learning thing, man. We're learning. We're kind of, I would say, day by day, it's still, you know, it's a learning curve uh we're trying to deal with so i think that's a good that's coming out of it um for in the future when we're dealing with this stuff yeah uh nick as far as the schooling system and all that goes the on let's go back to that just a little bit the online stuff i think this could be another learning curve where the online advances um, a lot from here on. Yeah. It's interesting we, that you bring that up. And do you mind if I go on another go tangent ahead. here? Go ahead. Okay. Have, your, All right, so, have your rant. So this is, okay. <laughs> you know, I've had numerous people, former educators, current educators, and outsiders, those not by outsiders, I mean those not in the education field, tell me that I may be one of the last, what you would call, I guess, terrestrial teachers to enter the field, the last generation of terrestrial teachers. And by that, I mean teachers that actually come into a classroom of students and teach those students on a daily basis in a classroom, in a physical location, where the future of education is turning towards that online classroom. And there are a lot of educators now, especially those in education leadership across the nation, the world, and the state that are arguing the same thing. Here in our local school district, there is actually an entire school set up as an online public school, K through 12. Yeah. And that, it's called the Virtual Preparatory Academy in St. Clair County. It has its own principal. It has its own teachers. It's ha- it has its own athletic department. Right. It has everything that an actual school has. It's registered with the local sports conference and all that good stuff. But I think... You know, and it has been growing over the past several years. Online education in general has has been growing. But this event, you know, I'm a history teacher. The biggest changes in history, in society, have been brought about by random events. By unforeseen, maybe not random, but by unforeseen events. You know, you look at the Great Depression, the change that occurred in the United States. That's where you see the rise, the significant rise in welfare programs that are yeah. still around today in, yeah. in the United States. You look at the... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of things right now. You look at the significant increase in immigration... And you look at the push and pull factors that that caused the, the what what I would call the old immigrants or what you would call the old immigrants those from Scot Scotland and Ireland and West mainly Western Europe mainly English speaking areas of Western Europe why did they come to the United States the various push and pull factors and how that helped industrialize certain parts of the United States over other areas why did the North industrialize compared to the South what were the effects of that the Civil War. And things like that, you know, it's all caused by these unforeseen events that we don't take into account that force humanity to react. And I think that on a smaller scale, if you look at what's happening with education, with COVID-19, what it's forcing educators in the United States to do, especially in the state of Alabama, I think moving forward, this is going to be where when historians look back at 
what forced education to truly move to online public education, it's going to be this event. Yeah, it's going agree. to be COVID-19 where nobody can leave their homes, especially children. Schools cannot be inhabited by more than 25 people, at least right now, according to the governor's office in the state of Alabama. This is going to be the event that many people look back and go, especially teachers in 20 or 30 years, they're going to, yeah, that's, that was the nail in the coffin for physical education. Will physical education always exist? Absolutely, I think it will. But I think this is where we're going to see a majority of public education slowly shift to online. And, and people are going, okay, well, what is a school going to look like then? I think a school is going to look like an office building. You're going to have teachers that are going to clock in. They're going to go to an office. So you think we're going to be to that point at times? Within going- Within the next 50 to 60 years, I think that Definitely within the next hundred years, you're going to have teachers are going to, they're not going to come into a school like we know it. They will go to an office building in a 10 by 10 office, sit down at their desk, grade online, yeah, do a video lecture online, talk to their students online. Because we've already got places that's doing that anyway right now. Exactly. I mean, what are we going to, what am I going to be doing over the, uh, until May, the end of May? I'm going to be coming to my classroom, sitting at my computer. Yep. Grading assignments on the computer, doing lectures online, having video conferences with my students online. You know, it's all going to be, and as the world becomes larger and larger, and as internet access becomes cheaper, more universal, and hardware becomes cheaper, more universal, it's going to become easier for even your lower income students to get educated that way. And ed- technology has become so cheap, a lot of school systems now, there's a school system right down the road for, from us. You can check out a laptop, take it home with you you don't have internet access great and wonderful after the buses get running they park the buses strategically throughout the the community and they turn on wi-fi routers really i didn't know that so you can sit in your home a bus will be parked maybe 100 or 200 yards away on this on a side street yeah a wi-fi router will be on between the hours of 4 30 p.m and 9 p.m and there's there's plenty of time to do your homework no, online so, on I a mean, laptop that you because what about those families that can't check, that can't buy a laptop? Check one out at school. Right. Don't have internet access. Go sit next to a bus. Yeah. Go to a park. Go to a library. That's crazy. Or sit in your house. Yeah. And so there are less and less excuses now for people to say online education can't happen for everybody. It can. Yeah. We're just not there yet. Right. So I do think that that's going to be one of the biggest impacts of COVID-19 is that this is going to be that event that's going to force a significant change or force public education to shift yeah. in the United States towards most of it being online. Right. Will there be your instances of in-classroom education? Absolutely. You look at career tech education, that can never be moved online. I would say for the smaller schools especially. Yes. Yeah. No so, doubt. No it, doubt. Yeah. And there is going to be a significant amount of, of funding required to make this change occur to where most education does go online. And there are a lot of arguments about whether kids learn more online or in a physical classroom. I'm not here to debate that, really. I'm just here to talk about the fact that COVID-19, this will be a major, major change that will occur because of COVID-19. I know, at least in our area, I think this is where you're going to see a huge shift. I mean, basically, it's going to be homeschooling. You're absolutely right. It's going to be homeschooling. That's yeah. what it's, and the online stuff has been around for a while now. 
A very you long know, time, actually. Yes. I took online years. classes in high school because I had to my senior year, and that's been 18 years ago. That was around two, between 2000 and 2005. That's when online education, Started. they were just figuring it out. Yeah. They were like, oh, this can be a thing. Right. And so I think now when you look but between 2015 and 2020, I would say is kind of the golden years of edu- online education startup. I mean, yeah. you go online and there's a billion different education apps and all trying to it's corner so, the market. That's so you know? crazy to think about that it's been 20 plus years online has taken place you, where you can do that because we've it's had amazing. internet that long yeah. now. So, I mean, it's just... Just kind of crazy to think about, and but like you said, I think the uh, COVID nineteen will advance this stuff in your school systems to do more online. Period. Yeah. Um, all the way around, and, and, and like like you said, it's going to take some time to get to, mm-hmm. but it, it, this is that push. This is this is where it's going to kind of push the envelope a little bit to to get to that point. It's that big, big, big change. Yeah. You know how many. Um, how how long has the internet really been around? You know, when you look at it, truly the internet, it's gone through many different versions, but the internet's been around since the late 70s, early 80s, I believe. Yeah. Maybe even before that, I think. ARPANET, I don't know, I can't remember how old ARPANET is, maybe 60, in the 60s. Yeah. But, you know, the internet really didn't start really getting into its really feeling getting into a rhythm until the early 90s right early to mid 90s yeah you know online education has been around since the late 90s early 2000s but i think now is when you're gonna see it really hitting it yeah i don't remember internet until till we got internet at home with mom and dad <sighs> late 90s yeah you know when we were you know around that we were, time i think we were about the same late 90s early 2000s yeah when we got it so um no, you're right. It's um, it's a big change, um, especially in our schools. It will be, um, and maybe at work too. Uh, there's probably probably a lot of workplaces who it's going to shift them from when they used to do a lot of office work, having to be there, to now maybe a lot working from home, online stuff. My my dad works for a conglomerate. They're not really they. They have their fingers in a lot of different businesses, but most of it has to do with energy and technology and different subsectors in those two sectors. But they uh he can he can do all of his work at home yeah. on a laptop. Yeah. He he can work from home. He doesn't have to go to an office. He does because it's more efficient to communicate with your coworkers that way. Right. But if he had to, he can work from home. My mother is an educator, so if she has to, she can work from home. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's not that educators are going to enjoy this transition. I have the advantage of being a very young educator. I'm 24 years old. I grew up in the age of, you know, personalized electronic devices, what we now call cell phones. Yeah. And I'm very used to a changing, to to rapid changes in technology, whereas some of my coworkers are not. And the learning curve for them, I was texting a buddy of mine who teaches at another school in the system, and he was saying, hey, what are you doing? What do I need to do? Can you yeah. help me? And we were kind of talking about that kind of thing. But uh, uh, there are a lot of people out there that can work from home. And I think that we may see 
this changed their lives too in that this this will kind of open up a lot of companies or force a lot of companies to change how they work to fit people working from home uh, because it saves the company a lot of money. Right. If I don't have to provide an office for Joe and Karen and Bill and heat that building, heat those offices, pay for their office supplies, if I, all I have to do is pay for a laptop and send it to them and they can work from home, I, saves me a lot of overhead every month right yeah so i don't know that that's that's one social slash economic area to get in yeah yeah side effect of of covid19 that i think is going to be really interesting to see long term how it changes right our lives every day yeah um before we dive on into something you know still kind of hanging with the virus a little bit but As far as the students at home, mm-hmm. for the ones who don't have internet, yeah, because I know internet it's not it's not cheap. You know, you have to pay. You know, mm-hmm. I would, most individual yeah. homes have to pay for it monthly. Yes, Any, anywhere I would say anywhere from that sixty to hundred dollar range. Yeah. Um. So as far as education on that part, Nick, do you think? Uh, I guess how are, how are them. Like you said, there's a lot of other areas you can yeah. go to, like the buses, of course, with yeah. the Wi-Fi and stuff like that. But can't can't cover every area. So I mean, there's yeah. a lot of areas that you just you know, or bad reception, another thing, not having. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how how is that going to take place? You think? So there are always no no matter how universal technology and how cheap technology becomes. There will always be those that, that there will always be the exception, right? Those students that, for one reason or another, don't have access to the internet, or don't have the right hardware. They don't have the right hardware to access the internet. For those students, that may be where y- you make the exception. Okay, classroom, or it's it's kind of like what we had to do initially when this quarantine was put into place it's it's kind of like you have to make for instance when when we put this quarantine in place we teachers were told okay there's always going to be students yeah and and we actually our administration here at the high school that I work at they were very intelligent very smart very they saw what was coming, and so they polled, we polled every single student at Asheville High School and said, do you have Internet access at home? And for those of us that said yes, we're like, okay, we don't have to worry about them. For those that said no, those, then, those names were then given to us by grade level, and as teachers we had to go, okay, do you have any of these students? If yes, they need a paper version of everything that you put online for your students that have internet access. Yeah. So what we did is we had to literally make copies, paper copies of everything that we had assigned our students that do have internet access, that could access their assignments online. And so it's it's one of those things where for those students that don't have access, teachers are going to be driving to their house, dropping off the work. Here you go. Do it. Okay. Mail it back to us. Bring it back to us. It don't That's matter. the reason I was asking. I got a phone call actually yesterday from one of our teachers mm-hmm. who work here. With yeah. you know, my kids are in their class, and she was asking, "Hey, do you have a laptop? 
Do you have a device they can work from? Yeah. Do you have, first? Do you have internet? Yes. You know, type thing. But she didn't say if we, you know if I if I didn't you know what like what you're you saying what, yeah um what are we doing going forward from yeah. there so just yeah. curious I didn't I didn't know I thought that's probably what they'll be doing is dropping off work to kids who 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 don't have that who you know um but we'll work around it man yeah and and this it, is again this is a this is a byproduct of our education system not necessarily being prepared for school to be shut down. Yeah, you would think. So, you would think. Um, nobody really saw it coming. But you would think there would be, at some point, some type of plan in that way, eventually. Well, it's never happened before. You know, that's what that's what's crazy is that there has never been a situation where school has been forced to close down no, but two and a half you, months early. You, early. No, but there, you know, but you never know. No, you, you know. don't. You don't. That's right. And for, but I, you know, you have to look at it in this way too. Not for us particularly, but other places, like, you know, not too long ago when um, Nashville and that area yeah. had gotten hit with the tornado, there was a particular school up there that got hit you know completely wiped out and i listened to one of the coaches from that school and they were being asked what are y'all going to do well we got to depend now on local churches and local facilities other places and have class in there that's what we're going to going to do from here and they had kind of been already through that before because they had done they had been hit before like that so they had Lesson learned. They had already been. Mm-hmm. Now they know what to do. They have a plan in place. So we're kind of, that's what we're going through now with this virus stuff. And um, like I just said, it's, it's a learning curve. We get past this. Now we know what to do. Now we know where to look to the next time something like this comes along. Hopefully, eventually, never again in our yeah. lifetime. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? That, um, well, and that's, that's, I think you're, you're, what you're getting at is that's the greatest mistake that we could make is not learning from our mistakes here. You know, mistakes exist for a reason and they exist to act as a learning device. And if society and our government at every single level doesn't learn from our incapabilities that we're experiencing now, then the next time this happens, well, that's it's, it's, it's going to be worse. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. How many mistakes mean you make? A ton. <laughs> right. A so, ton. but we, we, we take the mistakes and we, we learn from them. And that's, and if you don't, then it's, it's almost like it, that's how. And nature, I, there's a lot of mistakes that I haven't learned from. Well, it took yeah. me a while to get to, yeah. to eventually, you know, get to that point. But, you know, that's how nature works though. If you're an animal, that's how the that's how the universe works. That's how God works. If you're in if if you don't learn from your mistakes, you don't survive. Right? And so this has to be something that as a as a society, both American, local and global, that we have to learn from so that the next time this comes around because it will happen again. It may not happen. It may happen in 20 years, it may happen in a thousand years. But when it does happen, we need to be more prepared than we were now. Yeah, I, I agree. That's the lesson that we can take away right. from this. I, I agree. Um, so since we've kind of covered the school systems and 
and uh you know what the the learning curve of it um look i told you this earlier today eventually where are you know real quickly where our economy sits to be honest and, and truthful and me and you both i think agreed on it that we can't continue like this though no there's no we've way. got to get out we've got to start living life at some point again and i'm not saying go back to huge gatherings i'm just saying from the standpoint of going back to work and and just living life um we can't be cooped up for the next two months it's just not going to happen it or it can't happen or i think things would would possibly get worse yeah um if we continue to do that you know the american people are just so in my opinion so resilient you've seen through the history that how we've just look you're not going to keep us down we're going to come back the next day and we're going to continue to to fight to push and that's what i think we need to do you know i'm going i'm going golfing tomorrow (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. I can't look, yeah. you know, I can't be scared. And I'm working outside anyway. I've got to provide for my family somehow. i got to do something. And, wow. So I just had a phone call right in front of our <laughs> podcast. So uh, that would be the one and only Alex Farmer. Who has been on the podcast before. Right. So I'm going to pop him down. But anyway, like I was saying, you got to get out. We've got to continue to do stuff. Of course, my family's staying home. You know, and it's hard. They're practicing what they they they're doing what they should be doing, standing home, social distancing, whatever. Right, and it's her Amanda's business. Yeah, she's she kind of she sells clothes for for a different company, and it's hurt her because her business is practically going from house to house and selling the clothing that she sells, and for them people it hurts, and I feel for them people, and and Amanda can't. Yes, I think it. If she wanted to, she can do a lot of the stuff online stuff and and maybe ship some stuff here and there. But for the most part, um, she can't go from house to house. But um, man, we're just going to have to, uh, not too much longer from now, and I think you will see a dip in this stuff just by what, from what I'm hearing and what I'm gathering. The real data, if you want to call it, that, hey, yeah, this stuff is bad, but we've took them precautions, and I think we're going to get through this thing here pretty soon, and we're going to get back to living life again. Um, when we talked about it at lunch today, you and I and several others, several other people that were much smarter than you or I, that's smarter than us, and you know, one guy at the table who's done really well financially and economically, who understands those market forces better than than I know I than I that I do. You know, when you look at the impact that it's having on the economy, the money that will be lost can never be cannot be gained, right? So when you look at somebody not going to work, not making an income, you know, I, I'm kind of the exception to that rule as a government employee. And so are a lot of people, but then there are a lot of people that aren't. There are a lot of people that have to go to work to to earn their income. For those people that aren't earning income, 
okay, they can't pay their mortgage. Well, if if they say, okay, we're going to delay your mortgage payment by a month. Yeah. Well, that means that they're taking money out of one business to save other individuals, but that business is relying on that money to pay its employees. So at some point, this system of delaying so-called... It could be a domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. Right now we're seeing, and we're doing it successfully, but I don't know how long we can successfully delay the economy. Delay kind of the downturn of the economy. The stock market's a whole other thing. I'm talking about the overall capacity and ability of our economy to produce and financially impact individuals in a positive way. If this continues, if you force people to not work for the next two to three months, I think you're going to see not irreparable damage to the economy, but so much damage to our national and local economy that it's going to take years and years for us to recover. Possibly so. I, I think that's what I'm scared of. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We can't. You can't keep us down. We've got to start getting back on track. And I think once we you give us that green light, yeah, to get back on, you know, hey, live life again. Let's go. Let's go. Let's and roll. I think you'll just, you know, go right back up again. So I mean, um, like I said, because the, the American people and we're just resilient man we're, we're gonna continue to live we can't live in in fear and stay right. you know quarantine the entire time because like we talked about people are going to pass they're going to die because of this stuff no doubt about that it was going to happen and it's tragic it is tragic yeah no doubt about it but there you're also people who are going to die of cancer people who are going to die of the flu too and it was going to happen anyway. It, it's going to happen. So, because um, people die every day. Sadly, no, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, we've got to continue to live life. And as soon as, you know, as soon as things start to calm down and we get the green light to do that, I think uh, we're going to do it. You know, it's, it's going to be. Well, I, I think that kind of, to transition the conversation a little bit. What have you been doing while all this has gone on? <laughs> Man, I tell you what. You know, like, because this has been just, uh, well, you have semi-been able to live a normal life because your job, like you said, doesn't require you to interact with a whole lot of people. Mine does, so my life has changed drastically, but what have, what have you been doing in your down quarantine time? You know what? I think for some people it could it could be a bad thing where they're at home by themselves all the time and... They really don't have nobody to interact with, you know. But then, like, families, it's probably the best time in the world to have because you're on the go all the time. And it seemed like me and Amanda were. It's beside my work, um, doing stuff with our, our, you know, around our area, our youth association. I'm doing a lot with it. So I feel like I'm gone all the time with it. I do a lot of coaching basketball, uh, travel ball, and all that's come to a halt. And basically, I just come home from work, and I just spend time with the family. And I don't have to go nowhere. I don't have to be nowhere. It's nice. And it is nice. And I think think with all 
the pandemic and, and all the, the bad that comes with it, there's a lot of good that comes with it also. And that's, hey, it's nice to kind of take a break from the world a little bit and just slow down and say, hey, look, spend time with your family. Take this necessary time that you don't usually get to do that. So we've been, man, to be honest with you, I've been fishing. I've been fishing so much. Fishing a lot. So You're going to go fishing after this, aren't you? Yes, I will. Um, (laughs) So what I've been doing, I've been going to kind of different ponds and uh, ponds around the area, not too far from my mom and dad's and other friends of ours that we've been going to. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what life is like in the South. (laughs) That's it. That's it, man. And so I've been taking bass, um, this particular fish, (laughs) <laughs> and I've been, yeah. I've been, yeah. I've been stocking out uh, Amanda's mo- her mama's pond. Really? I've been, I've been kind of just putting. I put about twenty bass. Really? In in that pond and just kind of stocking it out. Get some of the kids to go because yeah. it's right by us and they yeah, don't have a lot of fish in it. About. Yeah. So, um, hey man, I mean during these times, especially with your kids, yeah. they love the fish too and love to just be outside. Period. And when so, your kids are as young as yours are, it's really a time in their life that you'll never get back that you should. And I know I don't have to tell you this, but it's just, it's really nice to spend that quality time with your kids at the age that they're at, because when they become a teenager, it's almost like your, your family dynamic changes so much. You, you never get that. that well, and during that, the time, that. yeah, right. You're spending time with them, but also during that time, they're also learning. Yeah. They're learning how to fish. They're learning how to, there's a lot of life provide for them, you know, in, in a way, you know, and give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. That's it. And so, and, and another thing, we caught some, some crappie. Oh yeah, another specific fish that that's very good, good to eat. Oh, so good. So, I took them the other day, and I drive a fish fry. Yes, we did. Oh yeah, yes, yes. we did. So, woohoo, doggy. Uh, my middle son if you say i've got three boys and one girl but my middle son he he loves it he loves fishing but i was cutting the fillets off the fish the other day and showing him how to cut them and all that stuff and and he's he's soaking it all in he's looking at like is that how you do it dad is that how you do you, know, you use a, an electric knife or do you use i a, was using a, a fillet knife no i actually bought just a, a fishing fillet knife i was using i um it was cheap. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah I guess. I, I just bought that and was cutting the flays off of him. And, you know, he's just sitting there watching me, soaking it in. So I'm saying, you know, it's something he's looking for. You know, when he has kids one day, he'll know what to do and he'll know what to show them. So you just pass that on to the next generation. You go from the tail to the head? Uh, no, I start from the head and go I go down to the down. tail. Yeah. I've, I've gotten mixed reviews on where you should start. Well, I took the time, since we have a lot of time on our hands, <laughs> to watch a bunch of youtube videos <laughs> on yeah. what yeah. everybody's doing yeah. and so i was just going off percentage of people the videos that i watched <laughs> they were going from the head down to the tail Go, yeah. that's how they were started so kind of like, with the grain so to speak right yeah. so i was just kind of and then as you we can get a whole lot of fishing <laughs> um detail here yeah but you know, as you go down from the head to the tail, you work your way back up from the tail back up to the head yeah. as you're cutting into the fillet. So, um, hey, this is how our podcasts go, man. Just talk or go talk home. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 
look, you're teaching that generation one thing to another. So that's that's what we've been kind of doing, just that's basically awesome, that man. and being outside. I, mean, awesome. I found myself outside a lot more. I've been – uh, thank you for asking. I've been um, I've been doing a lot of <laughs> I've been doing <laughs> I've been doing a lot of hiking recently. I actually went camping too, the other that, day. Yeah. I went camping the other day. No joke, Brandon. I I with me and a couple of buddies went to uh, basically on the side of this mountain. Had a great view of the river. Yeah. Started a fire. Sat there. Played some music. Played some games. That sounds awesome. Just you know, the games like name as many NBA players as you can going in a circle, and if and if you couldn't name one that hadn't already been said, you know, you were out playing stuff like that. Dude, we stayed up till three in the morning. Yeah, doing that. I slept on the ground. My sleeping bag is my pillow. Yeah, right next to the fire, underneath the stars. It was great. I've been hiking everywhere on my property, right here behind the school where there's a lot of timberland. Just right. hiking. There's some roads, you know, we can hike and go out and just spend time in nature. And it's been great. I've I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of writing, too. Yeah. I, I told you right before we came on the podcast that I've, I went and had lunch with some guys who are a lot older than I am. Not old, they're just older than I am. Yeah. And they were telling me telling me some stories about their time as high schoolers and young men about my age back in the sixties and seventies in our local town here in Asheville. And it was so enjoyable and so I don't know, it had such an impact on me. I've actually decided that I'm gonna start writing a movie. I'm gonna start writing a movie about these Basically, what life is like in small town Southern America in the middle of the twentieth century. So, yeah, who knows? But look, you got the time to do it. Ex- I've got a lot of time. I got right. a lot of time. So, I mean, that's so. that's. I think that's the um, the best part we can take out of this. And um, but I I think you know it's about time to close off the episode. What what is your recommendation to our well? T-O-G-H how about this? How about this? Look, I kind of. Off the cuff, we kind of brought up, what do you, I'll, I'll put out a recommendation too, but what what type of things do you like to go when, I know right now, you can't really, besides going to get groceries and other stuff right now, but as far as like, what companies do you like to go to to kind of, your thing to kind of shop for and kind of look for and, and this, um yeah. I mean, what's your number one yeah. thing? Hey, man, I got to go here and go because we can't right now a whole yeah. lot. So, yeah. as soon as we get back to life and, and things are running, what's that number one place? Hey, I got to be here to shop for something to get something because if I don't, you know, I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm, I'm gonna be honest; it's gonna be a Southern staple, Dollar General. <laughs> the look I on your not. face right now says it all. So. I love food. I really, really do. And that is such an American thing to say. But I love sweets. And Dollar General's seasonal section, you know, like right now I think it's, they've got Easter stuff out. Right. I'll go and just buy Easter chocolate. I'll go and buy Peeps. You know, I just, every, so every Sunday we have this ritual where after church we'll go to the same Mexican restaurant and me and your family, yeah, it's a big group of us. We'll go and 
we know the people of, you and kind of turn into a little tradition yeah it is thing, it yeah. is every sunday you got to go to Mikasita and asheville and hang and, out with the farmers and angel and martha and anita and all them and uh and then after that after that you go right next door to the dollar general yeah and you you know the women and the kids go the women go shopping for what they need for the week the kids go shopping for a toy and the men go shopping for something they want to eat <laughs> even though we've just eaten so you know i'll buy like some i don't know some some small sweet thing because on the weekends i let myself kind of eat more sweets and and that kind of thing but uh because during the week i I try to stick to a, a diet i've got high cholesterol all, all, all that good stuff anyway so yeah dollar general shopping for food what's yours where do you where do you have to go to shop oh man um dollar general not a sponsor but you could be dollar general just hit, hit me up hit us up anything like academy sports and outdoors yeah god that's a good one i go i have to yeah. because you've got so much variety of stuff i guess hitting them top stores yeah. to be the in, sporting goods stores. the sporting goods stores, but also with clothing and um all top of you know fishing camping whatever you got i mean got whatever you it's not boring to go in there at the least because you've got so much to choose from Very so true. uh i guess one of the places that's probably the first one that i kind of hit yeah you know do, do you have a recommendation that kind of involves that for, for folks out there uh probably for not right now <laughs> you know since we're in during this time <laughs> since well, we can't yeah. go anywhere yeah, yeah yeah but like for those that may listen to this episode <laughs> later on when society is, has right. a semblance we, of normality. Yeah. Um, What's your rec for the... I mean, I can go. If you want me to go. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to recommend you do something that I typically recommend all our talk or go home peeps out there to do, and that's watch something. And I am highly recommending everybody go out onto Netflix right now and watch season three of The Crown. Look. I know. I you, thought you, you were going to say Tiger King. Oh no, 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 no! I haven't seen that yet. That's on the list, but I'm not. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> oh, I know. So, but no, season three of The Crown. Y'all will not believe some of the stuff that that actually happens to the royal family, because you know it's all about the royal family in in the United Kingdom. It's all about Queen Elizabeth II, her reign, her family, and this crap that goes on. And y- some of the stuff that happens in this TV show is unbelievable you're how have you're like how have i not heard of that so season three of the crown highly recommend it 10 episodes season three olivia coleman who's just come off an emmy or a golden globe win and an oscar win uh it's got tobias menzies as prince philip he's a great prince philip you've got helena bonham carter as princess margaret you've got a bunch of great english actors in the show peter morgan who's the creator and writer and showrunner does an amazing job it's just a really well put together show if you like historical dramas about the 20th century but there's also some comedy in in it as well it's yeah. weird it's it's just a great show highly recommend okay what you got um something completely different i imagine <laughs> well let me go let me go food can i go oh, food okay. yeah go dude do whatever all right so full moon barbecue oh yes i don't know if a lot of people, they're kind of coming along. Did they originate in Alabama? They did. They did. They're from Alabama. Okay, it's in an Birmingham. Alabama. Re- yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Restaurant, Alabama restaurant. So they've they've kind of spread out, you know, oh, throughout yeah. the state now uh, quite a bit. So one of our closest one to me is probably Trustful. They've opened up here recently. I love their house salads. 
What? There are house salads at Full Moon. I know. Probably let, didn't see me going let there. Let me go to a barbecue restaurant to get a salad. I know. That sounds strange. But Don't worry. I do it all the time. Their, their salad with, yeah. with the cheese they put on there yeah. and the ranch dressing that goes with it. Oh, yes. With the bacon, a little bit added to it, is number one. And I don't, I don't, you know, man, I break a lot of hearts right here, but Chick-fil-A, they do have a good salad, but I don't know what it is about Full Moon. It's just... You just don't like Chick-fil-A. First, you I say Popeye's no. chicken sandwich is better than Chick-fil-A's. Now <laughs> oh, you're saying that Full Moon's salads are better than Chick-fil-A's. So What's we're going, going on there? there? We're going... Um, By the way, I have had... Have you had it? I've had the spicy chicken sandwich from What'd you think about it? Amazing. It's better than Chick-fil-A. <laughs> are you serious? I would agree with you that it is better than Chick-fil-A's. I would say... What did you think about the pickles For on all it? the wrong reasons, though. The pickles are, like, thick. Yes. And... You know, I feel like, and I, I love Chick-fil-A. Don't get me wrong. Chick-fil-A, if you want to be a sponsor of the podcast, please sponsor this podcast. But, or Popeye's, it doesn't matter. We don't care. We'll pick sides if you give us money. But look, the sauce for me is what made it on the spicy chicken sandwich from yeah. Popeye's. The sauce was amazing. I'm not a big pickle guy. Yeah, the sauce the, makes it. Yeah. To me, the bun and the chicken and yes. the seasoning on the chicken are, are very comparable to Chick-fil-A. Maybe Chick-fil-A is even better when you just account for all of those things, just the chicken and the bun and all that. But when you add the sauce yeah, it throws Popeyes, it, it's a different it, ball game. it takes it to a different level. Yes. And I never thought I would agree with you on this. Yes. But at, you're absolutely right. It is It is. Look, I'm better. sorry, my Chick-fil-A peeps. I'm sorry. Yeah. But Popeye's, when you add the sauce, it's a, it's a, it's a game changer. Not a sponsor. It's a game changer. So, uh, But, yeah, my recommendation would be, hey, check out uh, – because I know everybody listening to this is probably going to be local anyway. And if you're so, not local, then get local. Yeah, get local. Find you a <laughs> Move to Alabama. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, before we head out, look, I just want to say I think everything's going to be okay. I think we're we're going to get back to living life um, like Every we have Every little thing is going to be all right. <laughs> look, I just want to read, I want to read a verse uh, from Joshua uh, chapter, chapter 1, Great verse, verse 9. Yeah, he's a great guy out of the Bible, if you ever want to read it. Um, Go ahead. So, have, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So. Amen to that. Yeah, I mean, and that's what he's, you know, he's told us time and time again from multiple verses to not be afraid. So, you know. Are you going to listen to what he says? Are you going to be obedient to what he's, what he's asking you to do? Don't be afraid. Have I commanded you? Of course. So take that verse and just kind of, you know, kind of ponder I, on it. You know, I, I love God. He, he, that guy knows it all, you know? Yeah, he does. He, he, knows, he, knows, he's, uh, he knows what's going on, man. Right, he, he knows. Really, he's, it, he's got it under control. Yeah. So God uh, only knows. List, listening to him is probably the smart thing to do. Yeah, it, it was. Better a, than listening to us. <laughs> I would definitely not listen to us. So, man, you know what? If God had a podcast, I'd listen to that. Um, he's got one. It's just he's not, got one. It's, it's just not audio. It's it's a uh, book, or it's a lot of books. Yeah, it's a lot of things. It's called the Bible, right? Yeah. It's a lot of things. Um, uh, through through a lot of stuff, through music, yep. through through anything. Through, yeah, uh, so there's a lot of stuff out there. But, uh, sad, but take that, man. Take that yeah. and just uh, you know, I like that. It's it's really sad to say that we've got to end season two's episode one, the season premiere of season two of Talker Go Home. 
sadly has to come to an end. This has been a great podcast about the death and destruction of the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) But I would like to say, look, starting season two, after this episode, we're going, hey, we're going to do some different things. We're going to bring some different things to the table. We're going to bring some interviews to the table of some unique. Very unique individuals. And special people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that don't listen to this podcast so they will not hear us call them right so i think yeah. you'll uh i think you'll get a kick out of that yeah. so i'm i'm excited about it so yeah. while we've got this time this is that's why me and you talked about this hey let's get these podcast episodes and let's run with them and and yeah. do some uh, fun stuff with it. And and kind of like last season, guys, it's going to be a semi-short season. We're going to take a break, but then we'll come back. As of right now, we do plan on a season three. So hold oh, yeah. down, get yeah. ready. I mean, we're not going anywhere. No. You know, we're finally getting paid to do this. That's not true. So <laughs> let's just, we're, we're going to, we're, we're really excited though. Seriously, guys, thank you for listening. And talk or go home.